you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> Earlier this afternoon, um, I arrived home. I suppose it was actually just right before afternoon. So it was this morning, actually, probably about 11.55 or so. I got home, and after I got home, um, we um, got the food ready, and we were having a balsamic pork roast. And as we were eating the balsamic pork, pork roast, I'd given Anastasia some some carrots and some potatoes and some onions and some pork. And she tried her pork, and she goes, meat, chicken, mmm. <laughs> and she proceeded to eat some more of her chicken, which is actually pork, and finished it all and looks at me and goes, chicken, more, please? Now, what would you do? Eat your vegetables. <laughs> Go buy us some chicken. <laughs> I told my wife, you know we have too much chicken when the daughter thinks that all meat is chicken. <laughs> Anyways, what did I do? I, I gave her more pork, you know, because doesn't always eat the meat, so you start her off with a little and you work up if she's going to eat it this time. And, and our text is talking about boldness. Our children are bold in how they approach us. Extremely bold. Even this morning, um, Bethany prepared her a snack cup before we came to church. She had some M&Ms, she had some peanuts, and some raisins in her snack cup. And Bethany had accidentally poured more M&Ms into the cup than she'd expected. And Anastasia took a while to eat all her M&Ms, but then after the morning worship service, what did she come to me and ask? She boldly came and asked for more M&Ms, even though she had a full cup of peanuts and raisins. Our children are bold, and I think that one of the things that Jesus wants us to learn from this passage on prayer is that we approach the Lord in our requesting and in our prayer boldly. If you would, um, just really, really quickly, um, the, the big idea, I think, is boldly approach the Father in faithful prayer. Boldly approach the Father in faithful prayer. Let's read the, through the text, and then we will um, dive into it. Am I, um, is the volume too loud? I feel like I'm echoing. Maybe I'm not. Okay. All right. All right. 11 verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him, 
because he is his friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father, we do thank you for <coughs> the truth of your word. We thank you for the instruction that you give us in how we should approach you in prayer. We pray that we would be bold as we seek to approach you. We pray that we would follow the model that you have set before us. And that as we do so, that we would remember that you have assured us that you will provide us with what is good. And you've demonstrated that to us currently by currently providing to us as believers your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. He begins and he tells us that there is this model that he has for us. And, and the text begins in verse 1 of chapter 11. And as it begins, the disciple is looking on and he sees Jesus praying. And as he contemplates the situation, he realizes that Jesus, as the teacher, as the rabbi, has not given a model prayer to his disciples as John has given to his disciples. And so the disciple approaches Jesus and asks Jesus, well, Jesus, how should we pray? What should this look like? How should we do this? And Jesus then begins to explain to him what this looks like. If you go to Matthew and you read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, you will find a slightly different narrative surrounding the giving of this prayer. And so um, as I was looking at both of them, one of the things that uh, led me to this one was the fact that there's a little different perspective on what's going on here. And the, the highlight, I believe, is the fact that as we pray, yes, there's this model that is given, but we need to be bold in approaching God. And so he, he tells his faithful, he, he tells his disciples, so this is what prayer should look like. And I'm going to fairly quickly rub through this actual prayer because I think that the bigger emphasis in this context isn't necessarily the model as much as it is this idea that as you follow the model, you do so boldly. Just like a child who realizes, you know, I just had one snicker. We have little packages of snickers with like little wrapped ones, and your allotment is one. But does that stop her from asking for a second one after she gets the first? Absolutely not. Children are bold. And God responds to those who approach him and ask. So he tells him, this is what faithfulness looks like. Faithfulness is characterized by reverence and praise. You see that in verse 2. So he said to him, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he's not being flippant. He's not being um, 
disrespectful to God the Father by calling him Father. It is a term of endearment. It's a term that shows the relationship of love and care that God has for his children. And so he says, refer to him as he is. Demonstrate your relationship with him. And then he goes on and he points to the fact that we should be praising God in our prayer. And we should be seeking that God would be um, praised. And so he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. So another characteristic of a model prayer is that we would be seeking that God's will would be done. Specifically here, he is talking about the establishment and the coming of God's future kingdom. And he says, so pray for the establishment of God's master plan. He goes on and he says, not only that, but also faithful prayer requests the provision of our current needs. Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. And so it's not um, it's not abundant. It's, you know, what we need for today. He goes on and he says, faithful prayer also seeks the forgiveness of our sins. And if you and I are to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with those who are around us, um, even this week I was asked by somebody as I was having a conversation with them, do you think we sin on a regular basis? Do you think that we sin every day? And I said, yeah, we absolutely sin every day. And that is why we every day need to come before the Lord and ask him for his forgiveness. It's interesting, as Jesus points us to this fact, though, he, he also tells us that as we seek the Lord's forgiveness, what is the basis with which we do that? The basis is the fact that you and I are willing to forgive others their trespasses against us. Jesus could have very easily said, uh, the basis is my sacrifice that I'll make for you, and so God should forgive your sins because I'm going to die on the cross for you. But instead, he gives us a very practical, difficult component. Because it's very easy for us to look at the offenses and the sins of those who are around us and to hang on to them and to not want to forgive and restore that relationship. But Jesus reminds us that our relationship with others should be modeled after our relationship with God the Father. And as he forgives, we forgive. He finally says... That faithful prayer realizes our own weakness. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Temptations abound. And for us to not realize that and acknowledge that in our prayers is to assert that we are strong enough on our own to overcome the temptations and the difficulties that lie in this world. And so he says, realize your own weakness. Realize that you are prone to sin. The hymn writer says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. That is the same idea. It is this acknowledgement in your prayers of your position. That you are weak. That you are merely a human. And that you are in desperate need of the Lord's care and provision and faithful guidance through the trials of life. And so he tells us, this is what a model prayer looks like. You are going to 
reverently approach the Lord. You are going to approach Him seeking that He would be praised. You're going to approach Him seeking your His, His plan that it would be fulfilled. You're going to approach Him seeking your daily necessities. You're going to approach Him seeking forgiveness for the sins that you regularly commit. Realizing that that also requires that you be willing to Restore your relationships with those who have sinned against you. And then finally, faithful prayer as modeled by Jesus realizes that we are weak. And that we are in desperate need of the Lord. This is the model. This is what he tells them. This is, should be included in, say, the content of your prayer. But Jesus realizes that, you know, if all I give them is the content, this is what you say, that's not sufficient. And so he goes on after telling them, you know, this is what or what you pray. And now he's really going to tell them how you pray. And as he approaches the subject of how you pray, He's going to really highlight this idea of boldness. If you would look at verse 5, let's read through it once again. In, in verse 8, a lot of your translations, and my translation as well, will say, Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. That word persistence is very difficult to translate, and commentators uh, wax eloquent on explaining its meaning. I believe that a better translation follows uh, a couple of other translations. I think it's the NIV and the CSV that use the word boldness there instead of persistence. And, and that's because the rest of the passage is not talking about persistence. It's not requiring that the child ask over and over again for a loaf of bread. It's not requiring that the child ask over and over again for this or that. It's the fact that the child was willing to ask. As he goes through verses 11 through, uh, verse 9 through verse 11, it's not that he's asking repeatedly. It's not that he's seeking repeatedly. It's not that he's knocking repeatedly. It's the fact that he asked. It's the fact that he sought. It's the fact that he Knocked. It's the boldness to approach God. And that is, I believe, how God wants us to approach Him. So, our boldness. Boldness is modeled by a friend waking a neighbor at midnight. This is completely foreign to our concept of life in general. Because you and I, if we were having a friend that was coming in unannounced, would not expect the friend to come at midnight to our door and knock on the door and expect to have a full meal and lodging for the night. If you're going to show up unannounced, unplanned, at midnight, the, the Motel 6 is down the road that way and the Super 8 is that way. And if you want a fancier place, there's the Holiday Inn that way. Okay, that's, that's how we think about this, right? We're like, this is completely unacceptable just completely and the fact that 
you know, a, a friend of ours might have the nerve to expect a meal at midnight is even more astonishing to us. That is absurd. Like, get McDonald's before you come if you have the nerve to knock on my door at midnight. Like, come on, guy. But this is the understanding of hospitality. This is what was expected. And so the neighbor, uh, the, the man comes and he, verse 5, and he said to him, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Why? For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And what's he going to think? You know what, for real? Here I am in my village house, one bedroom, a big mat that the whole family sleeps on, and you're banging on my door. Don't you know I have a toddler? Have you ever tried to put a toddler back to sleep after they wake up? Come on, stop. Like, you're going to be super aggravated. That's what's going through the friend's head. And he's like, go away. Leave me alone. But what's the expectation? The expectation of their culture is that hospitality means that if a friend comes at midnight, you open your door and you feed them. And the expectation is that if your neighbor comes to you for help, to care for this neighbor... And they have the boldness to do that, that you will respond to that boldness. Why? Because to not do so would be very shameful. And so what Jesus is saying is, whether they respond out of shame or because of great love for their friend, they're going to respond. Why? Because there was boldness in asking. Because the fact that he came and he asked for something like this at this hour... Is very bold. Okay. Luke is going to talk about the idea of persistence, but I don't think it's this passage. I think the idea of persistence is really encapsulated in the account of the widow and the evil judge. What happens with that one? The text specifically highlights over and over again that what does she do? Every day, yeah, she keeps coming. It's this persistence idea. But I believe the Luke chapter 11 is not highlighting persistence as much as it is highlighting the idea of boldness in approaching God. So he says, <clears throat> Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend, what will he do because of, because of shame, because of his persistence, or because of his shameless boldness, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And so Jesus is instructing us on how we approach the world. When we pray for one another, he's instructing us that we do so boldly. I think all too often we, we think about praying for one another, as we think about praying for one another, we think through our prayer list like this. Lord, bless the Ames family. Check. Lord, bless Levi. Check. Lord, bless Pastor and his family. Check. But really our prayer life should be far deeper than that because our prayer life should be focused on what? On the fact that you and I are weak. 
And as a result, there is a danger that you and I would fall into sin. And so our prayer life shouldn't be simply bless so and so, but rather, yes, bless them, but also preserve them in faithfulness, preserve them in obedience, help them to live the Christian life in such a way that you are honored and that you are glorified. God, restore this erring believer in such a way that everybody who looks on the situation has to say, you are the one who has accomplished this. How do we approach the Lord? Do we approach him in our requests boldly? And that is what I believe Luke is seeking to emphasize for us this evening. Is that as you and I approach the Lord, we do so boldly. The text, I think, becomes even more clear in explaining this as he moves on. Oops. God is happy to provide for those who are willing to ask, seek, or knock. Look at verses 9 through uh, 10. <clears throat> Verse 9. So I say to you, ask. And it will be given to you. See, he's not emphasizing here persistence, is he? The idea is, you have the boldness to ask, and it will be given. Now, we're going to highlight this a little bit more in greater detail later on. But just because you ask something doesn't mean that that's what you will be given. Right? Because some things that you ask for may not be in God's good plan for you. They may actually be bad for you. And cause you harm. Okay? But to the extent that your prayer that is bold is in alignment with the model prayer. Understanding God's will and God's plan. He says, ask and it will be given to you. He's emphasizing boldness. He's not emphasizing persistence. You and I must be bold as we approach the Lord. You must be bold, and you will find. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, not just the persistent, right? Could have said, you know, the persistent one who asks, or, you know, some other modifier to explain who exactly he thinks will receive. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. The text is highlighting over and over again the importance of boldness as we follow the model prayer. It's important to follow the model. It's important <coughs> to realize that God is to be revered. He is to be praised. His will is to be pursued and yearned for and prayed for and asked for. We should seek that our physical needs are supplied and cared for. God is happy to do that for us. We should ask that God would forgive us for our trespasses and sins. We should ask that God would help us in the midst of our weakness to be preserved in the midst of temptation. But it's not just enough to do all that. He wants us to do all that with boldness as we this theme continues as you enter into verse 11 and verse 12. He makes it very clear as he says, Earthly fathers respond to the bold requests of their children. How much more will not God respond to our bold requests? Now these requests are not 
crazy request, right? I mean, it's not like the child is requesting, you know, something extravagant, like a second piece of chocolate. That'd be, you know, a little over the top. Uh, the child is asking for basic nutritional components, right? You know, if a son asks for bread from his father, who will give him a stone? I mean, that'd be, that'd be the definition of wicked and evil if a father gave the child a stone in response to a request for bread. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? I mean, these are like drastically evil things to give a child. He's not emphasizing persistence. He's emphasizing the fact that as we follow the model prayer, as we realize that God is to be revered, he is holy, his plan will be accomplished, so we might as well get on board with it, that he will provide our needs, that he will forgive us, that he will preserve us in the midst of trials. He says, approach him as you pray, and do so boldly. Why? Because God loves you, and he cares for you, just as a father cares for his child and provides the child with what is needed. Why? Because the child had the boldness to ask. It's, it's not love to give your child, you know, 20 pieces of chocolate. Occasionally giving them two might be okay, but, you know, three's pushing. Just kidding. Right? But, you know, God is happy to provide. He's happy to care for his children. And so the writer is emphasizing that you and I, as we approach the Lord, should do so with boldness. He ends. He's given us a model. He's given us the instruction that as we pursue the model, we do so boldly. And then he concludes with this assurance. Our assurance as we follow these instructions is that God will provide us with what is good. And as he opens this section, assuring us that our bold prayers will be answered. He says, God is better than the best father. He will care for our needs. If you, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give? It's interesting. All of a sudden, he throws in something completely different. Like, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father know how to give you good gifts is what we expect, right? That's not what we have here. Instead, he tells us that the Heavenly Father gives you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Well, that's, I mean, that's great. But you were boldly thinking that you were going to go and approach the Lord in prayer for, you know, God's will to be accomplished. And that your earthly needs would be provided for. Because it's not wrong to want a little bit of bread to eat for today, so you're not hungry. 
and you are going to ask the Lord to forgive you for your trespasses, and you are going to go and ask the Lord to help you in the midst of your weakness as you face the trials of this life, because you will face trials. God will keep you from some of them. He won't give you anything that you're not able to handle with his help. But you will face trials. You will face difficulties. And all of a sudden, the text ends by telling us, you've got the Holy Spirit. It's kind of an interesting thing. I think what he's doing is he's saying that the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift possible and he's already been given to the believer. If, if you remember from John, what happens? Jesus says, I'm going to leave you. And as I leave you, I'm providing you with an advocate. Somebody who will care for you and comfort you and remind you of your position in Christ as you go through the difficulties and the trials because you're going to face lots of trials is what John tells us Jesus tells his disciples as he's leaving and the text here tells us that Jesus tells his disciples evil fathers give their children good gifts they care for the physical needs that those children have and if so, won't your Heavenly Father also do a very similar thing? And I think he's pointing forward, because the disciples in Luke chapter 11 didn't have the Holy Spirit, did they? No. Because the Holy Spirit comes later on, in the very beginning of Acts. And so he's saying, God will provide. And a demonstration that God will provide is the fact that he's going to provide the Holy Spirit. So, because we know who God is, he is a good God. He cares for his children. He's told us how to pray. Approach the Lord this week boldly. Don't be timid. You can't approach the Lord as if you expect that you'll get anything you have. Because your prayer requests may be out of alignment with his will. But you still approach him boldly. And as you know what God's will is, you pray in alignment with that. And he says, as you do so, what's he going to do? He is going to care for and provide for those needs. Just as an evil earthly father cares for and provides for his Faithful prayer, then, will be characterized this week by following the model that Jesus Christ lays out for his disciples. The Lord's Prayer is often called the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. And I assume by your being here that you at least claim to be a disciple. And so this isn't really the Lord's Prayer in that, you know, it's something for him. It's it's something for you and I to pursue and model our prayers after. And so he tells us to praise and revere the Lord in our prayers. He tells us to seek the Lord's will. That it would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
He tells us to approach the Lord boldly and ask that our physical needs would be cared for. Right here he's emphasizing the, the need of physical provision by caring for our hunger needs. But one could very easily make the uh, application that this would include that God would care for and provide you with the physical health that he wants you to have as you faithfully pursue obedience to God's will. He goes on and he says, Forgive us our sins. You and I have failed, most likely in some way today. And so we approach the Lord and we ask him to forgive us for those sins. He tells us to acknowledge our weakness and to approach the Lord acknowledging that and realizing that we are prone to sin, that we need the Lord's help. Faithful prayer will approach the Lord with boldness, much like the friend goes to his neighbor because he has a friend from out of town. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine how astonished I would be if tonight at midnight, my neighbor knocks on my door asking me if there's any leftover pork roast to give to their neighbor or their friend who came from out of town. That's the kind of boldness, though, that your prayer life should be modeled after. The kind of, kind of boldness that would allow you to go to your neighbor and ask them for a meal at midnight for your long-lost friend who didn't contact you when they came to town. That is some pretty strong boldness to go and ask that. And then he finally assures us that he will provide us what we need. And as he does so, you and I should rejoice that our God is faithful and that he cares for and provides for us as he wills. Father, we do thank you that we can approach you boldly, much like this uh, parable, the story that you provide us of a stranger who goes to another stranger's door and knocks on it for food for a friend who has arrived in town. It's hard for us to contemplate thinking about even doing such a thing. And yet that is how you want us to approach you as we follow your model prayer. We pray that we would take time this week to pray for one another. We pray that we would persevere in faithfulness and obedience to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Baptist Chamber.